0: Hello and welcome to this week's 12.01 Podcast. Uh, apologies for the break. Uh, I'm here with Callum Rupert.
1: and Bradley Alsop.
0: And my name's Callum Watt and uh, the break in the schedule, uh, we were hoping that we would have some people for the SU elections but unfortunately that wasn't possible in the end. Uh, but uh, Callum here did stand. Unfortunately, you didn't win.
2: Didn't win, but uh, we
0: we'll keep the fight up. That's for sure. Yes, I understand. You did put up a good fight. What was the, um, what was the result of that in the end?
2: Uh, we we lost effectively to what was an incumbent in a new role. So they've um, basically jumped up from one S- su role to another. We lost by a good 900 votes or so. So it wasn't very close in the end. But we did put up a good fight. And we can certainly say that there was 800 plus people that supported a agenda for change. So we're going to keep that up mm-hmm. over the next year, and hopefully we'll be fighting again in a in a year's time on the same platform, mm. and, and maybe more people will be listening.
1: And that's a that's a massive mandate, I think, for you really as well. We we often we often talk about the mandate that someone that's won has got, obviously, but I think to have 800 people vote for what was quite a, a you know quite a radical. Set proposals for student senior elections. I think it actually is is a huge base upon which to draw on over the next year. Um, yeah. I think you know there. It's not it's not a mandate to be in an office position, but it is a mandate to to start something. Yeah, I
2: think. it's to start a movement. And I know we've been doing prior to that. We've been doing work with the campaign for Lincoln Democracy, and that was making some inroads with the NUS referendum. It. We decided that we would run a slate. The slate didn't exactly come together, but what we did have. Was we were starting to put together the that that foundation for a movement, and I think going forward now, as a as a student movement, we've got to be continuing that pressure, because if we can get that exposure, then it will be fantastic for us going forward. And if we can get that exposure, hopefully we can win elections next year, have maybe more candidates standing in different roles, and hopefully they will they will make some inroads as well. Mm, absolutely, yeah.
0: Okay, so what have you been doing to? Continue the campaign. if you well, like, What's going on at the
2: moment? It's about getting involved in the in the SU community. You know, we can we can scoff and we can say that there's issues around it, but we still got to get involved. So, uh, just on on Friday of this week, we was uh, myself and, and a couple of people from the campaign and for Lincoln Democracy, we attended the uh, Reclaim the Night march, mm-hmm. and that that's you know that's shown solidarity with women and, and actually all genders that. Undergo some serious abuse, and they feel scared to go out at night, and that's 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 unfair, and that's one of the, you know, we, we we very much have a go at the SU when they do things wrong, but this march is is fantastic for bringing people together, and they need more of it, more political activism in the SU would be fantastic, mm. so we we need to get involved in that, as well as being critical of, of the democratic flaws that currently exist. Mm. It's about getting that balance between the two because they do. Do some good stuff, and we've got to recognise
0: mm-hmm. that. I mean, Reclaim the Night's pretty good. I, I've never attended it before, I think it's only been going for a couple of years mm-hmm. in Lincoln, yeah. and in that time, it's usually held on a Saturday night, isn't it, or something? Like uh, yeah,
2: it was a Friday night. This Friday night, there.
0: yeah. So previously, I would have been working, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. but I remember mm-hmm. it going through. Um, scores and scores of people mm-hmm. on this yeah. march. They get some abuse, unfortunately. Yeah, and, when, um, and, and
2: it did happen. On on Friday we did have some abuse from people, but they were the very people that the whole reclaim the night was was basically saying that it's unsafe. That, yeah, it's so ironic, A couple of blokes with a Proving pre- 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 the point, really. It, they, it really, really know, does yeah. prove the point. Yeah. You know, then they're shouting, saying, "Well, you know, oh, you know <laughs> effing and blinding about feminists." You know, at the end of the day, it's it's about equality and it's about mm. solidarity. And but I think last year, I think that.
0: last year also got some support from the public as well.
2: It did. We are, we, and again, we still we had people giving their homes mm-hmm. support. We had uh, passers-by giving us thumbs up, showing their support, which is great. It's it's good in any political movement in any march to get that sort of support is really good. Mm. And I know when we're door knocking um, in our other in our other capacity as Labour Party activists, it's good to get that same level of support from members of the public coming up to you and speaking to you about that just for context, what is Reclaim the Night, what's it for? Uh, it's basically, uh, I believe it started in Leeds or somewhere, and it's been going for quite a few years as a movement, and it's about basically saying that the streets should be a lot safer and anybody should be able to feel safe from going out at night. So it's about reclaiming that night and saying that uh, women, men alike, should be able to go out and feel safe in their towns and cities of the night time. Um, yeah, it's about solidarity, as I said, it's about... Um, mm it's about showing people that also there is there is a voice for people standing up to this so this sort of mis- misogynistic abuse and we've had a few cases in, in Lincoln of sexual assaults which you know, which are discussed in some of the responses that have come from it from the likes of the police and this is exactly what this march is about, it's about saying that we're not going to accept it as a norm and we're standing up to it as a community
0: hmm so um That's really good. What else have you been uh, doing? You mentioned, before we came on air, as it were, uh, there was uh, some protests in Hong Kong and Mm -hmm. talking about reciprocal action in in Lincoln.
2: and so, again, whilst we can praise the SU for some stuff, the SU is also very reluctant to get involved in the the Hong Kong solidarity movement. We've seen other um, SUs and other student bodies Uh, I think Nottingham's a good example, nearby, where we've seen students out and showing real solidarity with students from Hong Kong and from China saying that these police abuses, these abuses of democracy and free speech in Hong Kong are completely unacceptable. And we're trying to get that moving now in terms of speaking to international students that have actually approached us as a movement and said, we're unhappy. Some of them have actually taken their membership away from the SU so they've disaffiliated effectively mm. saying that they don't re- represent them after they s- said that we're not going to uh, show solidarity because it brings us into, disre- into disrepute is what they say
0: I mean it's absurd because it the, it the, the opposite is true yeah. uh, you're, 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 refu- it, yeah. you're refusing to demonstrate solidarity with a democracy movement mm-hmm. in, in, in another as country a, as with a student fellow union, students we
2: should be doing that and it's not happening. So we we we're trying to get that together, and hopefully we'll we'll see more action from from a, a Lincoln uh, Hong Kong solidarity movement very shortly. Mm-hmm. We'll try and get it off the ground. Hopefully we'll be able to get some people together for that.
1: Mm. I mean, f- from a purely you know sort of legalistic point of view, students um, ch- unions are charities, mm-hmm. um, so they have to abide by the charity by the charity commission's rulings and by charity law. Um, and in, in terms of political campaigning, charity law is fairly clear, it, you know, it says that your charity resources must be used to advance your charitable objectives. So if you, can, if you are able to put forward a robust defence that what you're doing in some way serves your charitable objectives, then you're fine. So the example I always use is that uh, Friends of the Earth, which is an environmental charity, um, campaigned against Brexit. Now, a lot of people questioned that at the time and said, well, that, that's not related to the environment, so, so why are you doing that? But their argument was that, well, well from the evidence we've seen, we're better in the EU um, in terms of the environment than we are out of it. Yeah. So it's within our charitable objectives to campaign against us leaving. Mm. Um, the exact same thing applies to students' unions. If if they're And ultimately, it should be their members that make this decision, not trustees or um, or a small group of officers. It should, it should be the student body that makes the decision. Yeah. Um, if the student body thinks actually it serves either some or all of our students to campaign on this issue, um, then yeah. then there's nothing Especially in charity law
2: that prohibits students, the union from I doing think, that. I think they don't feel represented, yeah. hence why they uh, have taken their membership away and said that we don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, which is a real shame because the ASU could be a real power for good, mm. and I don't think it's being um, utilised in that way. At the moment. It's more mm-hmm. of a power for money. Yeah, at the end of the day. it's about making money and not bringing it into disrepute because it might damage their reputation no, of their the, sponsors or something if, like it, that if
0: anything their action has brought the students union into disrepute well, yeah. mm. like yeah. I say by, well, from our perspective yeah but just on this particular issue you know failing to stand up for democracy is an endorsement almost of I don't, I don't want to say it's an endorsement of the of, the, of China's actions China. but it's but it's, <laughs> it, it it's is, almost complicity yeah, with it isn't it because yeah. you're just allowing it to happen we'll turn without any response
2: it's not what, what we need to be doing as, as students and as, as a students union and ultimately I think if it's that controversial for them maybe they should put it to the students and say what, what should we stand on take it to an all students meeting and say we've had this proposal do we back it as a students union or do we not and, and they can really justify that then because you've had a real uh, consultation with students and if students turn around and say that we want to back this movement, we want to show that our, our voice is, is, is in, again, in solidarity with mm-hmm. unrepresented groups or groups that feel like they're being uh, abused, which they are, mm. then that's a good thing. And, and, and I'm sure you can justify that in charity law. If that, there's been an all-students meeting consulted, and that, and that's simple, right? that's that's exactly the point.
1: It, it it should be a democratically made decision. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people best placed to judge what's in students' interests, which is the charitable objective that that the union is there to serve, are the students themselves. Yeah. You know, we saw the same thing with the US referendum, where they claimed that you know le- le- legal advice had told them they had to leave NUS or that mm. they they were potentially at risk. Mm. Um, I think was the, the term um, in terms of the fees they gave to NUS was potentially breaching charity law, um, but. But, you know, there's no way that the Charity Commission is going to turn around and say, actually, we disagree with a democratically made decision of a shooter body, and we don't think this thing is in within their interests. It, I've never heard of that happening. It'd quite, it it'd would be quite be quite spectacular to see that actually happen. Mm. I think from, from, uh, from a trustee position, as mm. people responsible for the charity, you would almost you would almost want to have put something to a democratic decision because then you've got legitimacy for the decisions you've made. If you could turn around and say, well, we followed our governance. Yeah. Governance mm. by which is actually approved by the Charity Commission. Mm. The Charity Commission, look at the Articles of Association. Uh, if you can say, look, we, we followed our governance. Mm. The student body democratically made a decision to, to campaign on this issue. Mm. We respected that wish. I, I would find it incredible <laughs> if, if the Charity Commission then... Penalise the union in yeah, any way for that. Uh, that, would can, be, can, that would be that would be spectacular. I've never heard of that happening. No,
0: th- it's it's such a wasted opportunity. I mean, I think I think I said in a previous podcast, it's got what thirteen
2: thousand members. It's seventeen
0: thousand. Seventeen now. Is it now? now. Um, seventeen thousand members—a huge chunk of those who live in Lincoln, they're citizens of Lincoln. So, from a local perspective, you know, as a as a local politician, if you like, I want to see. This representative body of a large section of our community standing up mm. and really saying things, yeah. and I want to have that sort, of, us to have that sort of relationship with them, but they just don't say anything. No. They seem to have just turned into a husk, yeah. almost. Uh, uh, they're just um, sort of um, paraphrase Voltaire. It's more like they're a nightclub. With the Students Union attached, rather than the other way around. That's all they exist to do is yeah. to run their commercial venues and avoid any form of potential controversy. But they have invited controversy by failing to back a democratic movement, and I think it will bite them. Come to bite them hard in the long run.
2: Well, that, that's I ran on the election, I wasn't there to say we should tear it down and rebuild it. What I said to a lot of people when they asked, well, why do you want to reform this SU? Why do you want to make these changes? And I said, the SU itself is something like the seventh biggest employer in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. It's got a massive income. Therefore, with the power of students behind it, having their voice heard and their input into it, it could be a real force for change and a real force for good, not just Mm. on campus, but beyond campus in the community. So when I was speaking about things like not just about the democratic reforms, but I wanted to see it doing a lot more in terms of green issues. Mm. With that sort of income and that sort of finance, they can do so much yeah. in terms of making a positive change in Lincoln and being a beacon of, of uh, and setting an example, that beacon of hope yeah. in terms of what we can do. Because you only have to look at the Brayford, which is literally right next to the SU buildings, to realise yeah. it won't be that long until this campus is underwater. Yeah, and and, and all that's, that's the, the great irony. Because I mean,
0: they they do um they do a they, they do a clean up of the Braeford once yeah, a year. Yeah, That's the most visible thing that they have. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think they should be doing but, more of it. But the, but the, the, the Braeford that you're cleaning up is going to be fl- flooding your campus, yes. as as you yeah. say, because of climate change. Yeah, and and they can do something so about, about it for God's and sake. And they have
2: made some positive changes. And I was speaking to some people, the university, the SU. They use green energy. That's really good. Yeah. So the power company they use, it's all um, you know, no fossil fuels used. Fantastic, great. Right? Mm. But single-use plastics in terms of the food uh, dispensers. Um, so you just look. Even we're we currently sat in the main building, the Minerva. Mm. The cafe down there uses a lot of single-use plastics. All the sandwich boxes has got little plastic films and plastic yeah. bottles. Mm. You know they can be doing so much more to. I wouldn't say subsidised, but they can use their media output to promote good practice mm-hmm. and say, you know, provide some serious discounts if you bring Tupperware, for mm-hmm. example, for your food, mm. for your lunch. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to be doing. And it's not it's not currently doing that. And it's the same with other issues. As We'll come back to the Hong Kong issue. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. We need to realise that it can be a great voice for change in Lincoln. And it can be a real beacon of setting an example to other institutions in the community. Mm. But currently it only comes out during this sort of activism week or this green week that they're doing which is, you know, it's once a year. And I think ultimately we've got to realize that the SU is here all year round and it's got to be a lot more active.
0: Mm.
2: Yes. And it's got to it's got to be active in dealing with
0: global crises uh, as well yes. as as well as yeah. the, the welfare of students locally as yeah. we've, we've touched on we're, before. We're part of
2: an international community of students and Lincoln sits in a big web of universities mm. and we've got to recognise that and we've got to play our part and currently it isn't. Mm. So given the uh,
0: the current state of student governance and uh, mm-hmm. the crises that are going on across the world, um, let's talk about another crisis. Mm-hmm. You um, love your segues don't you? I, I do try. I, no, do, you're doing I do quite my well best. actually. He's, he's <laughs> on a
2: roll at the moment. He's had um, some very good segways.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um the, uh, the Desperados virus, sorry, the coronavirus, um, <laughs> oh. is, yeah, alright, right. less so, right. okay, <laughs> that, that'll be a 6.5. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: segues are better than your jokes. <laughs> uh, Covid-19,
0: which, um, which uh, I learned from uh, Navarra Media the other day, means uh, coronavirus identified in 2019. Did you oh, not that, know that?
2: Well, that makes sense. It, yeah. it, was December, long was it? it was December 2019 when it, it was, first emerged, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, was first it? identified.
0: Yeah. And they didn't start taking it seriously until early June. Wow. Yeah, because <laughs> the, 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 um, the the guy, I can't remember uh, what his name was. I think it was Li Wenlang. I might be thinking someone else. Mm-hmm. He was a doctor in China who first identified it in December 2019.
2: Is he one that was hushed? Yes, yes. they've they, they, yeah. they, 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 tried to... Um, <laughs> well, you know, China is very very well known for its hashing of doctors. Are we going to get a HBO yeah. series on this in a few years' time? Probably. A bit like Chernobyl, yeah. so I'm not going to like that. That was, was a, really, that good was a good really good scene. I should, assuming, I like the
0: assuming we survive as a species, I'm sure it will be on Netflix. Even, even without, books. I
1: think, even in the crumbling decay of the West, I think Netflix, Netflix, will, Netflix still will still find time to produce... It won't be, it'll be uh, an eight-episode run, I think.
0: It won't be like nineteen forties music coming out of your arm on, on, on Fallout. <laughs> it'll be <laughs> Netflix. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of makes sense actually. Because if you're in your bunker, what else are you going to do? You know. Although you probably um, won't have like connection, will you? That's hmm. true. I don't know, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge. Uh, when well, we if come I'm to it. my
2: bunker, what I'll be doing is listening to these podcasts back. That's what I mean, yeah, it? and I would advise well, the, all the the listeners better, times. I've, <laughs> better times. Oh, god, the idea that these
0: <laughs> would be better times. Um, that, that's, a, uh, that's a horrifying, but it is, it's scary in a way because I mean, this particular virus, I, I know that apparently there's a slightly more aggressive strain that's emerged. Um, that but sounds
1: like the start of like a zombie movie or well this, this is
0: my point um the the coronavirus covid nineteen as, as we know it at the moment isn 't as lethal as people most people think it has a mortality rate of apparently less than one yeah. percent, mostly people with underlying um, health conditions um, and obviously that 's still a tragedy that 's a bad thing mm. um, but it 's not going to wipe out the human race yeah. however the fact that our response to it has been so weak mm. in a way yeah. um, doesn't that worry us somewhat that if there was a slightly more deadly outbreak of something
2: yeah.
0: we'd be screwed well,
2: I, do you, do you um, think it has been weak? I th- well it's been weaker than Ebola because you remember Ebola how quickly that was contained mm. I, mean, I mean I understand it, it emerged in places like Sierra Leone which are far less connected than uh, China but mm. I, 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 I don't know if we're not taking it seriously enough because, I mean, the, the Chinese authorities played it down very regularly. I, I heard the World Health
1: Organization, uh, uh, you know, praised them, though, and said but that they <laughs> thought the, Ch- the Chinese had done an incredible response to it.
2: But the Chinese response was, I mean, actually, it, it depends whether you want to control a disease at the cost of civil liberties or you want to ensure that we have civil liberties, but that might mean that the disease is spread a, a bit quicker. So in in Italy, for example, Western country, far more liberal. It's it spread very rapidly. Mm. As a country, it, it's it spread very rapidly. Not as rapidly in China, but that's because it, it they weren't taking it seriously initially. Mm. But in Italy, you know they they've only just been put in places in lockdown, and still you can come and go. Really, mm. it's not as heavy-handed as in China. So I w- I would praise them for that because yeah. it, at the end of the day. When it comes to the safety of, of individuals and society, you do make have to make those sacrifices. But we've got to make sure we're not crossing that line into every outbreak that we shut down, mm-hmm. you know, introduce the army or martial law. Because, I mean, the government was talking about shutting down Parliament mm. at, at the state of this, uh, at, at COVID-19, which isn't as... Uh, it isn't as, a, uh, as bad as other diseases that we faced and they certainly didn't shut down parliament and actually they were far better, I think there would be a far better response if we're active and our politicians are making a lead on it and debating it and trying to get the best outcome for the country. Mm. And also it would be a check on any sort of shutdown of civil liberties and making sure that they are necessary. Because sometimes they are necessary to stop the spread of diseases.
1: I think what I'm worried about is the of South America where you know uh, the inadequate health um, and yeah. care insurance um, a lot of precarious work so people can't afford to take days off in sick uh, you know the, the government is and companies are refusing to, to allow sick pay for the coronavirus um, you know Look how rapidly that could spread in that sort of that sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it p- it p- workers will have to go to work. They won't be able to afford to take time off, and that will spread so quickly. And it'll be service care workers, people that you know yeah. handle your food, and, all the rest of it. and obviously it's not the fault of the workers no. <laughs> if if they have to go to eat uh, yeah. to to live. Well, if, they, um, if they're
2: going to self isolate, they've got to be able to feed themselves.
1: Yeah, you know, think. it should be the government and the companies that that allow a structure to exist so that people can take that time out and can of can isolate, isolate. Because at the moment, many workers in America can't afford to do that. And that, and that is really a breeding ground for a pandemic.
0: Yeah. I think if we had um, a Labour government right now, actually, this would probably lead to a, a change in the law mm. where people, because in a lot of places um, you're not entitled to sick pay for the first three days but you should be from the yeah. first day yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I know the government is yeah. and, 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 and the, government the with and the force the to it yeah.
2: but you've still got certain companies that have got certain contract clauses that get written out of it well it's, it's plainly
0: unequal as well because people who earn more are more likely to get sick pay from day one and it's that's, that's just people that need it at in, least yeah. a straight up e- equality issue the isn't of the it should be, yeah. um, I mean that might be an easy win for the government to be fair I mean I said in the last podcast I think that the that this government might be willing to do almost socialistic things yeah. in order to be to, to make itself popular and so on yeah well
2: um, you, you see with Northern Rail you know, that's been national yeah. you know they in the not to trigger you onto trains. To, no, no, no. We've managed to, to get on. the trains again. No, no, <laughs> well, you know, should we
1: give either. you a, 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 a regular spot where oh, you can talk to about trains? about
2: local transport issues.
0: Roker's train news. <laughs> Callum on off the tracks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Spin-off series. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Podcasts
1: like...
0: have spin-offs. Is that a thing? Sometimes. I, yeah, yeah. I don't
2: know. We'll do it. We'll do a. so many. If they ever fully nationalise the railways, I'll make sure I. I record a podcast on every single route that we've got that will be nationalised. It'll be fantastic. Do you okay. have a YouTube channel of spotting, we'll train spotting? I've already got an Instagram page. Have you? Yeah.
0: You can branch out. Yeah. Is is it an Instagram page about trains? I do have a, a train Instagram page. What's, what's, the, what's the handle? On, you've
2: got to tell us now. A sea Rope of Photography. Oh, that's weak. There should be some sort well, of train-related you know, oh, pun. How could I make on. a train pun, you know? <laughs> Off the rails has probably been used. Though, that's true. Full
1: Steam Ahead. That could steam, be your podcast yeah. name. Full Steam Ahead. I think that's a great idea. Virtue yeah. Signalling. Not that trains <laughs> are
0: us Virtue Signalling. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that could be ours. <laughs> You've thought <laughs> about this before, haven't you? I haven't, no. though. Well, we've come
2: onto trains, and I didn't even mean to, to stick on trains. But okay, let's get us back on track, Callum. They're willing to twist their policies. The policies that they said that were socialist, rabid, communist, Maoist, <laughs> rubbish mm. that they've abused and they're willing to now carry it out outside of an election because they haven't got the scrutiny yeah it's all a bit Orwellian, isn't it really that yeah, like, you know the the, yeah. the enemy
1: one week is actually yeah. government policy the next yeah and and, and there's no record mm. of, of as ever having said otherwise it's all but a also bit...
0: f- fundamentally as well like um it just makes too good economic sense in many respects well, yes. especially uh, nationalizations of natural monopolies mm-hmm. and so on um it should probably renationalise water as well, for example, yep. it's a fundamental human right, um especially in the context of the recent flooding, um, which is uh, another crisis that's been going on
1: and i th- I think with issues like this, you know climate change being the obvious one mm. um, governments of whatever persuasion will, will have to start implementing things that they have otherwise derided as. Yeah. You know, in saying socialism, because at the end of the day, socialism is the answer to, to a lot of these issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. um, Eco socialism has got yeah. so much to offer in so, terms of so, changing our society. So, Roman governments are going to have to implement yeah. those sorts of policies at some point or other Not uh, just or, just or risk mass unrest. Not just the benefit of
2: humans, but the benefit of the planet. And I think socialism historically has been about human benefits, it's been about mass <laughs> industrialisation, <laughs> it's been about those sorts of things. But also, I think. What we missed out on greatly, not just getting a Labour government, but that Green New Deal would have transformed the economy.
0: It, it still really will, have. It still and it will, will. and, and mm. I
2: think the next general election will be about green issues. Mm. It's got to be because that is the last opportunity before it's too late. Really, it's too late now. We should have. I mean, to be fair, workplace. we said that at the last general election. It really, but what's, it really what's actually it. happening is it's just getting more and more urgent. We're kicking the can down the road and well, five the... years is a long time to wait to get these and then you've got to remember the implementation time, getting the finances in place, getting the workforce trained up to transform the economy getting these green jobs in place it's going to take a long time, and five years to wait to get our plan in line and then carry out that plan mm. You know, we're, we're really pushing it now
1: and I, and I, I used that rhetoric at last election as well that it was the last last chance but actually the, it was already too late in, mm. in 2019 in a sense of uh, people are already dying mm-hmm. across the world from climate change. Climate um, refugees. Is uh, a thing, every right? every day we wait now. It's th- there's never there's never like a cut-off point that is okay. Past this point, we can't do anything, You know, we're, we're screwed. It it it's a case we're in the game now of, of how many people will we let die? Mm. How 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 much of society will we allow to be destroyed by yeah. climate change? You know, and every every day we wait longer now mm-hmm. to to tackle it. Will mean at some point along the line more more death, more people you know forced out of their homes, and yeah. um, and all the social issues that come with that. So if there is increased um, migrants um, coming into to Europe, um, we'll see increased bigotry as a response. to That you know, so it, it, there is just no the cut off. There the is no Greece too late. it's just sort of you know h- how many lives are we willing to to, yeah.
0: to put at risk. Do you think part of the problem with convincing people on climate change is that you live in Britain, and most of the time. The weather's not very extreme. Um, it's you haven't really, for the most part, had an observable change in the climate mm. or, or anything like that. The, we're not going to I think, to like that. to say, well, Shills, for example, well, is it? Say Shills? Britain's um, had its first
2: climate refugees. There's that town in Wales. I saw that headline. I didn't read yes, it. There's um, a town in Wales that basically the local government and national government says we're not going to be protecting this area. Mm-hmm. Move out because it's going to disappear into the sea house mm. prices, we've seen other areas of the country where house prices are about a pound because the house won't, won't be there in ten years mm-hmm. and people basically left with nowhere to go because they can't sell their house to move out mm. you know, they just have to basically flee where they lived mm. and we've got to realise that certainly bringing it back home to Lincolnshire is one of the lowest lying counties in the country these
1: yeah. chunks will be gone by the end of the century there's still,
2: there's still areas underwater down from the floods last year yeah. you know down, down, the, down the river with them, mm. there's still areas fields farmers' fields that are underwater yeah and it's not long before we end up with towns and villages underwater That's right. in a more permanent state like that. So I think that the issue is also in Lincolnshire is the reliance on, on the car
0: yeah. so
2: you know it's almost an, an issue how do we tell people that they're under threat and how do we get them to change their mind about the car? And it comes through investment, it comes through the Green New Deal, it comes through making sure that there is the green alternatives to get around. Because mm. currently there isn't.
0: No, there isn't. I mean I I mean I confess I, I took a driving test yesterday, didn't quite pass. Oh. Um but it's gonna be necessary for me to do my job at the moment because as as I said before I work for a trade union so I have to go around the county representing members on occasion. Um and so for the next month until I can take my next test I've got to use trains and buses wherever possible Mm. and a journey to the south of Lincoln, say Spalding for example um, that journey is going to take me at least two. it's going to take me about two and a half hours that's assuming everything goes well because I've got to go all the way down to Peterborough then to Spalding on the train then get a bus out to this village that Mm. I need to go to Um, and then obviously walk to my destination. So it's green, but it's inefficient, and that's why people will obviously turn to the car, because it's so much more convenient in that respect, and that means that I have lost an entire day of work. To that one appointment, which mm. may have, which cool. I could have just done. We're in the Back on trains again now. Well, we're, we're talking <laughs> Sorry, about buses yeah. as well, just
2: to keep the transport uh, modal shift. Modal yeah. shift is yeah. what it's the, it's the politicians. Many a
1: cry that. of a labor councillor. Modal well, shift. You know, yeah. It, they should... charge into budget battles. Modal shift. <laughs> I, I think. I think we're in a new problem now though with climate change. I think five years ago, or even actually two years ago and it was convincing people that it was a problem mm. i think you know and, and i think most people sort, sort of knew it was an issue but they didn't yeah. take it that seriously well, I, I, but I, but I've, now I've,
2: I've written an article on this issue yeah and if you look at for example the youth strikes they wrote an article in the link about it mm. and the comments from some people about the youth strikes for the climate. Oh, they're um, horrendous. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And but I, I don't think those people.
1: I, those, I'm not worried those, about those people. No, no. I think minority. I think
2: you're right in in generalizing that most people are concerned about it now when they want to do something.
1: The, the, the problem now is not convincing them that climate change is an issue. It's convincing them that we can actually do something about it. I mm. think and I think that's exactly the problem we had with for Labour in the last election. I, a lot of people I think intuitively liked what Corbyn was offering. Yeah. The problem. And there's a really good article by adam ramsey for open democracy on it and um, the problem was convincing people that politics could give them solutions yeah. for, mm. for, for for, i mean brexit in a, in a microcosm over the last four years but but 40 years beyond that of neoliberalism has told people they can't have things and then actually politics mm. and government largely should get out of the way and interferes yeah. with things and and makes things worse. Yeah. So for I th- I think always and you know people on the left don't want to hear this and certainly I don't think people supporting Keir Starmer don't want to hear this. But we were never going to be able to overturn that in in one election cycle. Yeah. I don't think. Um. So in some ways, it's no surprise that Labour lost. Uh, well, yeah. it, we we've got a big project ahead of us in in overturning a culture. Yeah. We is, we need to culture, convince is, people that actually things can be better and, and yeah. that and that collective effort and struggle Mm. and and actually national government can actually make things better Is it
0: controversial to say we've almost got to think like Margaret Thatcher in a way um, in the goal is not the economics necessarily but to change hearts and minds
1: Yes, that is in the the only instance you'll ever find me agreeing with a Margaret Thatcher quote We just need to
2: reverse what she's done basically Yeah, and go further And go much further than Mm. we were before because there's a lot that we need to do And actually, we've got to remember that, you know, the athlete government did so many fantastic things, Mm -hmm. but it didn't go all the way in terms of what we would like to see in terms of a society that's truly redistributive, truly has people's voices represented, truly understands what it means to be working class, to not be able to feed your kids. Mm -hmm. It did a lot of good things, but we need to go further, and we need to be telling people we not we don't need to be telling people about what the Attlee government did and talking about the NHS. We need to be setting a positive vision for the future because people the NHS is just part of a society. The the, the Attlee reforms is just the ones that have survived anyway are the ones that they're just everyone's day to day existence. Hmm. But we need to be it's a civil that, society. Yeah, we need to be setting the we need to be setting the agenda for something new. That real change that will ensure that people don't go hungry, there's no hopelessness, mm. Should sure everyone has a roof over their head, that the environment will be protected, and yet we will not lose jobs, in fact we will grow the economy. Mm. And that's what we gotta sell to people, and it's, it, it's that image of hope, it's that image of solidarity and collective working together. But how do we get there? It's gonna be hard work, it's gonna be, as, as sort of with my Labour hat on, we need to be more in the community and speaking to people on a regular basis about this mm. because we do need to change minds we do need to change hearts Yeah, and a lot of people are set on this individualistic sort of why well, I don't care about my neighbour anymore because I'm doing fine and it doesn't matter about them mm. and we need to change that yes. and that's the, that's the challenge I
0: certainly hope that Whoever becomes leader, they do We've segwayed, haven't we? We have segwayed, yeah. haven't we? It's a subtle segway, a sneaky segway. We've done quite well. Um, yeah, no, I hope whoever becomes leader doesn't drop the community organiser programme. I think that that's a fantastically good idea because, you know, the, the lame party is a machine. It really cranks out leaflets and it mm. cranks out activists to go on mm. the doorstep, as we saw... Yeah. In 2019, especially <coughs> to be fair, to some extent, 2017 as well wasn't enough. Oh, 20,
1: 2017
2: bought me into the party. The
1: yeah. problem with a machine yeah. is that it doesn't always change direction very well. Yeah. It needs it needs to be directed a little bit. At risk that's, of stretching, a good, that's a good analogy, at risk of yeah. stretching the metaphor too much. You yeah. know If you set a machine to do a job, it will do it efficiently, but it won't always respond to new circumstances. And I think that's the problem in a lot of local labour parties, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. it's it, you know we, we're. We're organising probably in the same way that they have for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I always think of you know the socialist worker party with the bloody newspapers and stuff like that. And mm. I, I remember a quote saying you know if Karl Marx saw you still doing newspapers in 2020, he'd have a he'd turn in his grave. You know, it <laughs> just because we've always done something a certain way doesn't yeah. mean we we yeah. should and it worked in the past doesn't mean yeah. we should keep doing it now. Well, we do need yeah. to evolve. We do. I don't have a problem with newspapers in general, by the way. Just yeah. may, may, maybe have a blog. I don't know. <laughs>
0: i'm sure they do i don't i don't really read their stuff which, which
1: is the problem they might do but none of us know i'm, I'm not meaning to launch an attack on no. socialist comrades of,
2: but <laughs> speaking of leaders uh i know there is the potential for both Keir starman and Rebecca long baby to come to lincoln to yeah there, there was some discussion about are you allowed it? to announce that i i'm not announcing <laughs> it i just know that both, i'm not saying <laughs> there's both, a rumor an in interest it in coming to lincoln but, I, you know, it's a case of they're very busy people. We're getting towards the the, the end of the campaigns, really. They've mm-hmm. probably got their schedules booked. But I know yeah. there is an interest in, in speaking to people in Lincolnshire and in Lincoln specifically because certain areas, Grimsby, Lincoln, you know, former Labour areas in this county, why did we lose them? I think they should be coming here and speaking mm. to local members mm. and indeed opening it up to the local public because as a party we've got to... End this sort of closed shop approach, mm. and we've got to, events have got to be opened up to the public. Yeah, and, 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 and discussions have been had about things like media offices and opening out the party and speaking to people like that. Mm. In in the their part of the party, almost yes. like where the, in in America with the sort of open selection. Oh, I don't like those. I, you, I think I, I just, don't think I they think should then, be. I don't, I don't think mean, they should be voting. But what I, I think they should be doing is, is taking part and having their voice heard in I,
1: I don't I don't agree actually. I think I think those two should be two very distinct things. I think I think party discussions and part, internal party matters should be only through amendments I'm
2: talking about like, uh, you know, things like where we have a big event where we have a big Labour Party figure come down. I think people should have the right to come and, local people should have the right to come and listen to see what they've got to I think for. I think that's a different thing yeah. though I think if, yeah, yeah, if you gonna, if
1: you want to put on a public we, event with a with a prominent speaker that that's very different to to no, in a leadership saying, election yeah. having having people can I, I posit up?
0: that you are actually agreeing with one another by the way because <laughs> the the um Because you are right, Bradley, obviously, internal strategic Mm. planning and elections and so on, obviously. But this is part of the point. Uh, um, If you have public events and so on, that's a recruitment opportunity, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm. So if you have someone like Rebecca Long-Bailey, whether or not she becomes leader, or Dawn Butler, or or Keir Starmer, whoever, Mm. um, and they come and speak in Lincoln, and you put some membership forms by the door, sign people up, yeah. So that you know, so that they're there yeah. when those elections do come along, and when those discussions do come along, and when we're uh, yeah. going out campaigning. That's yeah. I would say, and Lincoln is then
2: to matter to central party, which has long been portrayed to be very London-based, Westminster
0: bubble-focused, mm.
2: and it forget. Hence, why we, we we had the the red wall beaten into it. yeah. And because we uh, by the way, that we, that
0: we are the the
2: eastern bastion.
0: Of, of, of the Red Wall over here in Lincoln, yeah. or an outpost more accurately yeah. um,
2: I suppose Yeah, and it's, it, is, it is difficult to, to fight that fight when we don't have the attention that we should be having and it's not just Lincoln, it's a lot of northern CLPs get ignored mm. and we've got to understand why that happens and I think having a few events, not opening up the party processes but having a few events where local people can come and listen to what Prominent labour figures have to say is can only be positive, in mm-hmm. my opinion, because things like policy they can speak to people afterwards. It it makes the par- party firstly have more of a personal approach and then also people can understand us a bit more. We're not just there at elections; we're there all year round and we're speaking about issues that matter to people.
0: Mm. And also educational events. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I know that housing probably isn't everybody's cup of tea, but personally I don't think what's more fundamental than Mm. keeping a roof over your head, and of course in the context of mass homelessness Mm -hmm. as as is very visible in Lincoln, I think it's open to the public There's a municipal dreams Event yes. at uh, Grafton yeah. House on the 17th of March. Mm-hmm. Google it. It's uh, Google it. I think it's open to the public. It's about six pound fifty a ticket, and you
2: get yeah. a free bit of food as well. And there's a there's a prominent writer speaking, and apparently he's very good. So yeah, talking about
0: the history of yeah. social housing in Lincoln specifically, yeah. Yeah. which is uh, really interesting. So that's actually what I wrote my dissertation on. So I'm actually quite looking forward it's to. Glad I didn't get you to speak to I, I'm sure this guy's done a lot more research than me. As, say, I, I wrote a, I wrote a dissertation and um, this guy's written a book. Uh, well, that's, you know. that's the difference um, <laughs> in this case. But, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's looking like it's probably going to be Starmer who gets elected along with Angela Lorena. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, um,
2: we, we, we've all nailed our colours to the post, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we've got to fall behind whoever's the leader Yeah. regardless because at the end of the day, as a party, we need to have a bit of unity.
1: What do you? What, I struggle with that though. What? What if? Which is quite likely, I think. Starmer starts throwing back on policy. What if he starts what do, spouting? <coughs> what if he starts spouting? You know, sort sort of um, anti-migrant rhetoric in order to win. Yes. You know, you. Yeah. Well, I think it's we all well still... and good organising internally, which I'm sure, I'm sure you you will. You know, to to change policy and and, mm. and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, if you're going out. If you're paying your dues to the Labour Party, you're going out and um, campaigning on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. You are, in effect, asking people to vote for for him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't, I, I don't I know think, if I can do that. I think
2: you've got to remember that also. We, we do have conference as a sovereign policy maker. So if anything like that does come, out, I would really hope that conference will put it back in line, and we would have a vote on
1: things. But conference doesn't have that power. We've seen we've, well, we've we, seen that yeah. even under the Corbyn era that the, mm. the leadership. Office can quite easily manipulate, I, and that, I, and that's under a leader that's quite respectful. It will be a, be a press disaster
2: democracy. for the party if, if you have conference basically at war with the leadership. But
1: that's not true. We've had, it's been the case of most conferences in the recent past. The, you know the, and, the, and the, yeah, cor- the, even Corbyn meddled with conference last well, year, yeah, yeah. and and he's probably you know the most respectful leader of party democracy we've had in decades.
0: There there is a second influencing element though, um, on the occasions when the current leadership has. Shall we say slipped on immigration? Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a massive reaction from the party membership yeah. against it, um, and it has changed party policy in that respect. But, but it, think it changed party policy
1: officially. But you know, the next day after conference, you saw Diane Abbott row back on it in. radio no, no, no! I'm not talking
0: about conference. I'm talking about. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what it was perhaps you remember better but I remember Diane Abbott made, of all people made, uh, made a statement um, that was perceived to be anti-immigrant and so on and she had to backtrack on it within, I think it was 12 hours actually, mm. because the reaction from Labour Party members, well outside conference, was so negative to it, because at the end of the day with a party of working people it doesn't matter where you were born um, you know, and I, I I have no time for people who think that you know pandering to racists and xenophobes is going to win us elections. Um, most Labour Party members don't think like that either, and I think it was evident in that case. And whoever becomes leader needs to be held to account in that way. We talk about organisation, organising in new 21st century ways, not just through the the the, the old formal procedures of conference but actually by putting public pressure and campaigning in a grassroots manner in the same way that you might have done grabbing a megaphone or organizing protests as a student as we're still doing mm. in that way that's how you put pressure on a political mm-hmm. party but
1: you will still at election time have to go out and campaign for him mm-hmm. I don't, all i'm saying is i don't know if i can do that for a man like Keir starmer I don't know. It, it, I don't really particularly. P- like. Particularly, if we start to see this rhetoric come back, if we see the New Labour era sort mm-hmm. of rhetoric come back, which I think is very likely in the start one. I, I, there was a reason I wasn't a Labour, mar- mm-hmm. Labour member into that into that era, yeah. and I don't know if I could stay in the party with a man like him. Because ultimately, my allegiance isn't really. You know, people people talk about loyalty to the party. That's always struck me as a bit off. My loyalty isn't to the party; it's to a set of principles. So the core. And if the party no longer serves those, if that if the party no longer looks to me like the most likely vehicle to achieve those principles, then Mm. what? Why would I stay and
0: support it? Mm. I think everyone's just going to make that decision for themselves. I mean, Mm. party membership's an an individual choice, and perhaps that's the point to make as well. In that if Keir Starmer whoever takes us down that reactionary road you're going to lose the support of a good chunk of the population which we've painstakingly won back over the last few years Mm. and that will weaken our ability if all you care about is elections that will weaken our ability to win elections Mm. ultimately Um, and it will hand over this sort of populist agenda straight into the hands of
2: Boris Johnson yeah Mm. Um, yeah, we, we need to take it away from their terms and speak on our own terms. Mm. And mm. divisive anti-immigrant rhetoric, anti-benefit claim rhetoric mm-hmm. is not what we are as a party. And no. I don't think it ever should be again. We slipped into that under new Labour. And if Starmer does get in, I seriously hope that he moves away from that. Yeah, He doesn't pander to that um, sort of section... Of membership, there is a, you know, there is a, a section that make their voice very clear on that those sorts of issues. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got to we've got to bear in mind that as a party, we're not about that. We're about equality, mm-hmm. equality of opportunity, equality of outcome, equality regardless of where you come from. Yeah, and that's how that's what we've got to be selling to people, not effectively racist hatred yeah because it, it doesn't work really, no we don't want to be the same as Boris Johnson and the Tories. Mm-hmm. no and we won't be, and um, we won't be, and as members, I think I wouldn't leave the party, I would be one of those members that I hear about it you know the years under Blair where all the lefties were still that were still in the party fighting the cause, mm-hmm. and I would be one of those very vocally critical if anything like that would come out because that's that's not what we're about. And I, I think we should stay in and fight mm-hmm. for, what is it, for what we believe in.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Fight for what you believe in in any way that you see fit. Yes. That's a nice sentiment. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good way to end it, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Have you segued into an ending? I think so. <laughs> I mean, we a lot of good segues today. Yeah. Um, we'll try and be back next week. Yes. Um, certainly me and Callum will be. I don't know if you'll be in Lincoln. Not next um, weekend, no, i afraid. Just Williams couldn't attend today at this time, unfortunately, but we might have her back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to try and get more guests on here as well. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll to
2: try and keep it we'll, we'll keep you all invested with more guests and more speakers, so it's yeah. not just the same old, same old.
1: Yeah. Tune in next time for Callum, for Roper's train yeah. segment. Yeah.
0: yeah, we'll do a train special one week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Goodbye.